green lights are good, right? All right, so I've got the green light. Um, let's pray, because we're going to need it. Um, no, I, I have no problem at all talking. Uh, focusing is, uh, is sometimes uh, is like squirrel, because uh, there's just a lot going on in my heart, a lot going on in my brain, and it's just, uh, you know, but to be fruitful for you guys to derive any benefit from the Lord, I, I want us to really dial into his frequency and really uh, get his heart. Um, so let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you, God, that you are our source for everything that we need. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that's here right now with us, your presence, your manifestation in the earth, the one that preserved the word, inspired the word, teaches us the word, helps us to understand your heart by the word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the revelation of the Father's heart today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, let me get out these mountain of papers that I'm probably going to ignore. Um, I'm, I am not a trained professional, so prepare yourself for the fact that I'm just going to speak the way, the way I see things, hear things, feel things. Um, there won't be three points, I don't think, and definitely not a poem. Um, and also, my volume may raise and fall depending on um, the moment, so a warning to the sound booth. Um, I, I just want to say again, thank you to the sound guys. Uh, we have several people to help out. Um, I call them the secret, her the secret service or the brethren on high. Uh, I especially love uh, Jeremy and the example he is of, ex of extravagant freedom. <laughs> you, guys have, you guys have any idea how much God loves Jeremy? I, I think Jeremy is one of God's favorites. I mean, how many people do you know that can rock a pink mohawk and a kilt at the same time in church? I can't, I can't do a kilt. I don't have the legs for it. Um, but that's the thing I love about this church is we're looking for the heart. You know, man looks on the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. I don't care how pretty you look, how polished you are, what kind of, what kind of suit you've got on. If your heart is corrupt, it's corrupt. You know, um, too, many, too many churches have, uh, have put the, the, the cultural affectations, expectations, and appearances and behaviors on people and have not been life-giving. Um, I'm reminded, I heard years ago, uh, you guys know about the hippies, and then there was a move of God among the hippies, and they were called the Jesus people, you know? So here's this, here's this talk, hey, man, you need to know Jesus. He's awesome. He loves you so much, dude. You know, if hippies talk like that, I think it was maybe later the Valley Girl thing kicked in. But, but they, they, would, they would get saved. They'd give their hearts to Jesus. They would believe in this thing called grace and love, and they'd go to a church. And, and too often the church says, well, brother, it's really good that you're coming to church. God bless you. Now, if you don't mind, you should probably get you a haircut and buy you a suit. What does that do to someone that's been promised unconditional love? And they walk in, and somebody representing God says, well, brother, but you really want to please, please God, you need to clean up your act and, and kind of take a bath more often. It's like, <laughs> they wouldn't have said that, I don't think. But the, the point is, it's not about appearances. You know, the, I talk a lot of times about the power of a misplaced metaphor. God is our Father. That's, that's who he describes it. That's what Jesus called him. That's what we're, Jesus said in the, in the, Lord's, the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, he, he said, here's how you ought to pray. Our Father, who are the, who's, who's in heaven? I, I still remember the King James labor. Our Father in heaven, your name is holy. 
Um, your kingdom come, your, your kingdom, your way of doing things, your will be done here like on earth, like it is in heaven. But he starts off with Father. He didn't say our general, you know, your, your, um, your campaign, your conquest come. I mean, God is the king. He is the conqueror. He did defeat. But the, the perspective you have of who he is in your relationship to who he is affects um, um, how you see yourself. You know, if, if he is, um, let me see if I can go to the note of that. If, if because um, I, I wrote this down a while back, if we see him as, as our creator, no, that's simple. Anybody can see God, as, even the agnostic, not so sure. Yeah, somebody created me. So I'm a, I'm a creation, I'm a created thing. That's good, that's cool. God's like way out there someplace, maybe not even around anymore, not even watching anymore. Or if we see God as um, a judge, and he does. He's, he is the judge, the righteous judge. And he will judge, in the end, those who have not believed in him. And he will evaluate or judge our works. You know, but, you know, so you look at him as the judge, and you're kind of like ducking all the time. You know? Or if you see him as, um, let me get back to my note, our redeemer. Well, there's a, there's a beautiful thought. God's our redeemer. And that sees, I'm, I'm, I'm the redeemed of the Lord. That's... That's true. These are, these are all true things. Um, but, or, or I'm a friend. He's, we can be a friend of God. The word teaches us we can be a friend of God. Well, that's cool. Me and God, we're friends. We're good. You know, got no hangups with God. But if you call him Father, that changes everything. If I, if I call him Father, that means I'm a son. You know, um, did we get that? Did we find that slide thing? Here's an example. If, uh, if you're the son and your father happens to be the president of the United States, you know, we could look at this and we say, this is JFK Jr. under the uh, resolute desk uh, in front of John F. Kennedy, the president, doing the work of the president. Here's a kid who's the son of the most powerful man in the world. You know, and without the context, someone say, who's that kid think he is? Well, he knows who he is. He's that guy's kid. You know, so for us, so for us, it's not a false confidence that we have to know that, and, and thank you, Jeremy, it's, it's not a false confidence that we have for us to confide in God. He's the one that adopted us. You know, I don't have a problem with saying God, the creator of the universe, the creator of all things, maker of heaven and earth, that's my dad. The word says that his spirit in us convinces us, assures us that we're sons. We've been given a spirit of adoption. We've been adopted. And by that same spirit, we have that confidence. By that spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, which in the the Hebrew way of saying things is like Daddy. Wow, the the audacity to call the Almighty God. It really offends people a lot. They're more comfortable with the king. They're more comfortable with the kingdom and the the judge and, and all those other things. And not to knock any of those, but the question is the one of putting things in the right perspective or the right priority. The most important relationship we have with God right now, the thing that Jesus contended for is for us to be God's children, his son. The whole purpose, Pastor Mark back in the day said, you know, if you really want to summarize the the, the story of scripture, it's God gets his family back. I mean, he went to a lot of trouble to erase the stain of sin 
to prepare the way for us to be righteous, to even be able to approach him. And, uh, you know, the word says that when Jesus died on the cross, at that very moment, the veil in the temple that hid the presence of God from the outside world, the veil was torn in two. That sucker was thick. It couldn't have been torn by human hands. But the veil was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Who did that? That was God's like, let me out of here. You know, I want them to be able to approach me. I want to be able to approach them, you know. Um, so that's, that's, the, that's the thing that God's been going through. Um, so uh, a little bit of our story. Um, my wife and I both are children of uh, men that were pastors. They, both of our fathers went to seminary. Um, both of our fathers um, got involved in things of the Holy Spirit, which got them in trouble with the people whose seminary they attended. Um, I think both of them got kicked out of the churches that they were pastoring when they started operating and talking about the new revelations about things of the Spirit. Uh, so it was an awkward time. Um, status quo always resists fresh revelation. Um, God doesn't like status quo. He doesn't like Pharisees. He doesn't like putting things in a lucite case and saying, that's the way it is, and that's the way it always will be. The church is not a museum. The church is a family. Did I mention if he's our father and we're his sons and daughters? By the way, I'm using that in the generic sense. Nobody get offended. If we are his sons and daughters, that makes us family. I've got some interesting brothers and sisters. You've got a really weird brother. You know, uh, I didn't look at anybody in particular. <clears throat> you know, so, uh, anyway, squirrel, that was my first squirrel. Where was I going? <laughs> but we're, we're God's family, you know. I act different around my family than I do around um, people that I'm trying to impress. You know, with, with my family, um, I am the goofiest thing. I embarrass the tar out of my kids. And sometimes those crazy jokes, the dad jokes, right, Chuck? The, the crazy jokes, Charles, I'm sorry. I've known him since we were teenagers. Um, you know, the crazy jokes that slip out, and your kids are like, oh, God. Well... <laughs> That's the natural order of things for fathers to embarrass their children. That's, that's, that's the way it works. It develops character for them to be. It teaches them to not be offended or not obviously offended. <laughs> um, anyway, so in our journey, we've been, we've been, you know, I was in the Baptist church, and then we were in a charismatic renewal in the late 60s, early, uh, early 70s. Uh, we got involved in a church that, that was more organized and, uh, and there was a lot more ecclesiastical structure and accountability and stuff. And, um, and then we were in um, uh, a more, uh, well, let's just say it's a word of faith, a word of faith church. You know, and, um, and while we were in our a word of faith vein, we, uh, we uh, went to Honduras, which was, has been a dream of ours since uh, about 94, our first trip down there. God really put it in our heart. Because of some people we knew down there that we met here, they were driving through. I don't want to delay the, the story too much, but it's, it's always been, for me, I don't know about my wife, but, but for me, I've always been, you know, she's a, she's a lot of a big picture kind of thing. For me, I went to another nation because there was somebody in that nation that I really loved, and I really wanted to go help. And God put my heart in a personal connection. I want to go there and help them. Um, 
That situation didn't work out quite the way we expected after waiting 14 years and finally getting things cleared to be able to go down there. Um, there was a moral failure in that situation and the church kind of crumbled and sheep were scattered and it was sad. And we came back disillusioned that the dream that we'd been working for for so many years has kind of fallen out from under us and we're like, God, what's next? And he's like, well, it's time for a reboot. You know, let's, let's do something different. I'm tired of the treadmill of of the thing we were doing. We were involved in a very works-oriented kind of a situation. And God's like, you, you just need to, to, to plug into a family. And there were some people in this church that my wife knew by, by piano lessons and things like that. Well, we got a nice little church. You should come visit us. And we're like, oh, those guys, do they know about this and this and this and this that we've already learned? Because, you know, there's the, the, the pride coming up. Um, let me say this. As you, as you move from movement to movement, I said they, they, the established movement opposes the new movement because if there's a revelation they've got that we don't got, then we'll, we can brand them as heretics and we can not lose members. And there's, there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on like that. Um, but God, you know, God ordains that we, that we have a fresh revelation. I'm not talking about heresy. If it's in the book, it's good. If we can back it up with what the word says. But there's things that we overlook. So, for example... Acts 10, Peter's praying on the roof, and he goes into a kind of a trance, and God lets down his sheep, and he says, arise, take and eat. And it's got all these cloven hoof critters that Jews are not supposed to eat. And he's like, no, no, no way. And, and God said, no, don't say no way, because what I've made clean is clean. Um, and because he was taking him to, to preach at Cornelius' house, the gospel to the Gentiles, God had to give this guy a trance to break the mold to say, it's okay. I love Gentiles too. You can go talk to them. You know, sometimes God has, to, God has to shake us up a little bit. But the, the point is, at this church, um, we have found a, a very, um, what should we say, a teachable heart, a humble heart, a heart that's like, God, show me. God, teach me. And we've, we've not gotten off track, but what, what, we've, what we've encountered here is some beautiful things. We've We've, we've, you know, we started off with the foundations of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is here and now. Jesus said, I came. I brought my kingdom with me. All the stuff on earth as it is in heaven. There's, there's no sickness in heaven. There should be no sickness here. You know, he healed the sick and raised the lepers. He told us in the Great Commission, go heal the sick, raise the lepers, all that kind of stuff. Um, then we started talking about sonship as we've been talking here just, just recently. You know, um, when Jesus was baptized, you know, the the heavens were opened and the spirit came as a dove on Jesus and the voice came and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Don't you know that made him feel good? For God in heaven, his father, to say, that's my boy right there. I like him. I love him. He's awesome. And, uh, and in fact, when he, you know, the next chapter, chapter uh, Matthew 4, he goes out to the, uh, to the desert and he's tempted of the devil and, and the devil attacks him on that. If you're the son of God, attacks his identity. Hey, if you're really the son of God, you know, like, prove it. That kind of thing. Um, so it, the, the point is who we are um, is, is, is key. We, we've got to know that we're sons. We've got to know what's available to us. We've got to know that our father's got our back. Um, you know, so, uh, so we, became, we become like him. And, uh, and how is it that we, you know, I could understand God saying, this is my beloved son in him I'm well pleased. But after the great transfer of us giving Jesus our sin, our shame, our death, our punishment, and him giving us his righteousness, the Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're just as, 
Think of it. Just as righteous as Jesus. That's a neat trick. Um, how did he do that? Well, he died. You know, he, he, he shed blood. Perfect blood. Sinless, blameless blood was shed for us, the sinful. And oh, by the way, God resurrected him from the dead. Ha, the winner and still champion, Jesus Christ. You know, but by him defeating death, hell, and the grave, we've been, we've been made righteous. We can approach God. Um, you know, so this life that we have in him has these, these effects, these byproducts. You know, um, when Paul White was here, he talked about being grafted in the vine and drawing life from the vine and the fruit that pops out. You know, um, I, I've, uh, I've taken courage in, um, in the grace of God. This, this is, it's the grace of God that makes all this happen. It was everything that Jesus did that made us righteous. It was, it was nothing that, we, as good as we behave, as, as well as we try, it, it's not our righteousness, it's not our deeds that made us righteous. It was everything he did. So like Pastor Mark used to say, I'll quote you one day. Uh, <laughs> but, but, well, because he spent like a year on this stuff, so it's kind of like knee-jerk thing. Jesus plus, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You know, there's nothing you can add. He, he already won. There's nothing we can add to make him more of a winner than he already is. He's the winner. Um, so, so this life that we have produces the byproduct of fruit. And I remember... When I was a teenager, I had, um, I, I used to, um, I had some things I was struggling with, some issues, and I was really angry at myself, and I was trying to manage my sin, and uh, I was so smart. I had a calendar on the wall, and I thought I'd motivate myself, or you can raise your hand if you've ever done this now. I had a calendar on the wall, and I would mark out every day that I successfully passed the test of not doing these things that I was bothering, like losing my temper and all these other things that as a teenager, I'm thinking, I'm going to just be righteous and awesome for God. And I kept having to start over again. It's like, dang it, I went three days and I got to start over again. I screwed up. I was trying to earn this. I was trying to prove to God that I'm a good Christian. I was trying to, I was tormented. Not that I was really into some deep, terrible crap. Can you say that in church? That's what it felt like. You know, crap's a four-letter word, but so is love. You know? So, so I'm struggling with this stuff, and, I'm, and it, the posture is, I'm looking behind me. I'm, I'm running from sin. Well, that's kind of stupid, because if you look behind you as you walk, what happens? Where are you going? You know, I was managing my sin, kind of. I was, I was succeeding in not being an outright reprobate. Um, but my heart was tormented because I was looking behind. I was fearful of my sin. And somehow, the light of God, the revelation of God, shone in my heart. And it's like, you're looking the wrong direction. Look this way. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So I'm, I'm, I'm walking this direction, but I can see where I'm going, and my attention is not on my failure. My attention is on his success. And I see, hey, I'm approaching God, and I don't have to be afraid. It's like, home alone. I don't have to be afraid anymore. You know, I, I have succeeded in switching my gaze. It's kind of the same effect. I'm kind of not sinning. I'm getting closer to God, but this is, this is lifting up my eyes from whence come my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, by the way. Um, 
So, you know, the same thing with like when we look at the fruit of the Spirit. There, there's so much about the life that we have that we need to let the Holy Spirit just produce in us. Um, you know, we keep talking about the license. You know, the thing about people, when we start talking about grace, there was all these attacks against grace about giving, uh, giving a license to sin. And, of course, the side joke is, ah, they don't need a license. They're sinning real good without it. Um, but, you know, but, um, but if, you, if you abide in the vine, you know, like in Psalms 1, we're like trees planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf doesn't wither. Uh, if we're abiding in Jesus, let's, let's, say, we're, let's say we're an apple tree. Um, you know, Galatians 5.22 talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit. And since I can't quote it because I always get them out of order, I'm going to find that scripture. I do have a Bible up here. This is a legal meeting. Um, all right, so the fruit of the Spirit. Here we go. Love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Well, that's good. Um, you know, but you look at these, in our unredeemed mind, or our unrenewed mind, let's say that. Let's be transformed. Let's be changed by the renewing of our mind. Let's change the thoughts into the accurate thoughts that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is teaching us. You know, so if we, if we say... Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Um, the old man, the old way of thinking, I should say, thinks of those as a litmus test. Okay, well, I wasn't very loving today. Um, certainly don't feel very good about the joy part. You know, you're struggling with these things. You hold this stuff as a measure to say that's the fruit of the Spirit. So, oh, gosh. So then I begin to question whether his spirit is really vibrant in my heart or not. But that's the wrong perspective. The fruit of an apple tree is an apple, okay? If it's two years old and it doesn't have any apples on it, what kind of tree is that? Is it, is it still an apple tree, or could it possibly be a peach tree? We don't know. If we know it's an apple tree, it's the tree, it's the, it's the, the identity that produces the fruit. It's not the apples that tell it, hey, by the way, you're an apple tree. The identity produces the fruit. So when I say the fruit of the Spirit is this, that, and the other thing, all those things are, to me, it's the promise of what the Holy Spirit is going to produce in my life. The more of the Spirit affects me, the more plugged into the life source of the Holy, the more grafted into the vine I am, the more awake I am, my heart to God's, I am receiving the fruit, the evidence, the life, the byproduct of the Spirit. Amen? Amen? That's, that's a different perspective. Um, just like, um, the, you know, the Ten Commandments. We've, we've heard this when we were first learning about grace. The Ten Commandments to the redeemed person who's already blameless and cannot be accused. The Ten Commandments becomes a reflection of that life that we have. Jesus was asked in Matthew 22 by the Pharisees, because they love trying to trick people, what's the greatest commandment? Right? Does anybody remember that? Matthew 22. Um, I don't even need to look at it. We can, Matthew 22, Jesus said... The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your soul, with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. There's three of them there. I don't, I don't remember which one they left out. But heart and soul and mind and strength. There's, there's two places where he says that. And the second one is like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. And they thought, hmm. But then he added the punchline. And by the way, in so doing, you fulfill all the law and the prophets. 
Like, what? We're just asking for one command. And he's saying, if I love God with all my heart, and I love those around me, love my neighbors, love my future brothers, those that aren't quite Christians yet, pre, we call them pre-Christians. As we love pre-Christians, um, that in so doing, the byproduct of that is we'll fulfill the law and the prophets. If I love my neighbor, I'm not going to steal his stuff, steal his wife, kill him, any of that stuff. The righteousness of God is ingrained in us. God said, I will put my laws within them, and on their hearts I will write it. And I'll be their God, and they'll be my people. They're my people. These are my people. You know, like this morning, I'm listening to the song of my people. Um, so I want us to, I want us to, to take with us, because we're running out of time, and I talk too fast. Um, I want us to take heart in who we are and the priorities if we work on the love stuff, other stuff happens. We're not going to, people, I mean, I've, I've run into people, it's like, well, I need, to, I, need to, I need to quit smoking before I come to church, or name that sin. There's any, there's any number of things that people feel like are offensive to God. Um, we need to be able to receive anybody in the name of the Lord, regardless of their hangups. Listen, babies are going to make diapers. It just happens. Eventually, as they grow and as they mature, they become potty trained. They become fruitful. They become, they become families. You know, so all of us are on this journey together, but the, the life that we have as a family, you know, as we take on the nature of the children of God and love one another. Let's talk about loving one another for a second. Um, if we look at Galatians, I mean, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 goes into a lot of detail about the gifts of the Spirit. And that's a deep topic. There's a lot of wonderful things that the Holy Spirit brings to our life, enables us to do in terms of knowledge and actions and that kind of stuff. Things that, honestly, if we're immature, can cause pride. It's like, hey, I just prophesied. It was dead on. God really used me. <laughs> You're immature. You know, I would say in this case... The, the fruit of the Spirit is probably more important in your life than the gifts of the Spirit. You need to learn some of that humility stuff. But, but we, if we talk about, you know, I, I was talking about my history and coming back around. But anyway, the point, I, the punchline I missed was I've come full circle, been through a lot of movements, learned a lot of things in God. I've, I've, I've been able to eat the hay and spit out the sticks. God has matured us, added stuff to our kit, added experience and revelation to us as we've gone this path that he's had us on. And I come back to this full circle, and I'm like, it's all about love? Is that it? You know, God's just saying, it's about love. You know, and so, but you know, the, the world instinctively knows that. There's the, the, the heart of man knows that they were intended to be loved. You know, I think about the prophet, uh, well, you know, you've got John, and you've also got Paul, and, um, and then there's George and Ringo, and they said, all you need is Da, 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 da. Okay. And then you've got, um, let's see, uh, what the world needs now is Okay, so we, we know that's out there. You know, or, um, oh, here's my favorite, because this shows my age. Uh, in the 70s, we'll see England Dan and John Ford Coley. Light of the world, shine on me. Oh, there's some old people in here. Yay! But that's what it is. Love is the answer. Anybody that you encounter, anyone that you meet, it's like as if there's a little neon sign over their head pointing to them saying, I want to be loved. 
I want to be accepted. You know, loving someone and accepting someone in spite of their immaturity, in spite of their hang-ups, whatever they're wrestling with, God sees them as redeemed before they even accept him. He calls those things that are not as though they were. You know, what was that thing you were sharing with me, Melissa? You were saying, um, um, no, it was, oh, I know what it was. Um, a lady that we know that was in, that's from another country had a vision of Jesus. And in this vision, she was Islamic. And in this vision, yeah, there's a, there's a beautiful story. I can't really get into the details, especially what's being recorded. But uh, he, called, he said, follow me. And he said a couple of other things, and she kept like holding back. He was like, my daughter, follow me. It was another two years before she became a Christian, but he was calling her redeemed before she even received her redemption. You know, so God sees every... By the way, I'm not preaching universalism. If you don't respond to the gift of salvation, you burn. You got that problem. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sorry. It's like, I mean, Pastor Mark was... Pastor Mark was in. Uh, Pastor Mark was in the play this this last couple of weeks. He was in the play Annie. Okay, everybody loves an orphan story. So here's an orphan in a horrible situation with Miss Hedigan. Was that her name? Um, being ugly to her, living a miserable life. And here's Daddy Warbucks, who's a, was like a billionaire even in the 20s, and he says, "I want to adopt you." Everybody's like, "Yes!" I go from this utter desperation to this utter bliss in the blink of an eye. All right. She had to say yes. I want to adopt you. And she's like, oh, I don't know. I kind of like it down with my friends and Miss Hannigan. It was really great. You've got to, you've got to say yes. You've got to say, um, God says, I love you so much. Hey, by the way, I've cleared the floor for you. The, your sins are wiped away. You are righteous right now in front of my eyes because Jesus' death paid for all the sin of all mankind, past, present, and future. The stuff I screw up with tomorrow has already been paid with. Not that that gives me an excuse to screw up, but that's off the table. I see you as righteous. I love you. Hey, could you, would you like to be in my family? Can I adopt you? I love you so much. You want to be my son? Like, yes, please. <laughs> I'm pretty miserable right now. I'd love you to, to, to guide my life. I would love you to provide everything that I need. Amen. You got to say that. Amen. I want that. I want everything God has for me. Amen. Okay. By the way, Acts chapter 2, he sends his Holy Spirit. We're not going to get into a deep discussion of that, but hey, ask the Holy Spirit what the Holy Spirit's about. Try to figure out what he's got available and read, read, the, read the New Testament. Read the book of Acts. See what happened. The point is, Jesus said, go and wait. He gave us the Great Commission. He said, go into all the world. He said, hey, but before you go, uh, go and wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And, he said, and, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the world. Um, we, we need everything that God has provided for us. The Holy Spirit, who's the presence of God on the earth, the power, the revelation of God here, our contact, our abiding. He's here. We want that. Um, so, anyway, let me just make sure since I'm running out of time. Like I said, I can talk a long time. Um, well, Let's just pray again, because praying seems to be a good thing. Father, <laughs> I'm serious. Look, here's the thing about prayer. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> squirrel. <laughs> what movie? Was that, was that uh, Up? Was that the movie with the dog, the talking dog? Squirrel. My dog. 
<laughs> it is. Um, we, were, we were talking about, um, you know, because a lot of Christians feel like there's a particular metric of how good a Christian they are. Did you, and they've got the checklist. It's maybe it's not a keeping count of their sins, but keeping count of their good things. Like, did I pray 30 minutes this morning? <laughs> good. You know, we, we've got these things. Hey, nothing against praying and reading the word. It's vital. It's very, very important. We should do that. But if it becomes a metric of us evaluating our standing, standing with God, that's the wrong perspective. Okay? Paul says, I pray without ceasing. You know, we talk to God all the time. Sometimes it's two seconds, sometimes five seconds. I said a prayer three weeks ago. I hit the door of my office and I said, God help me. And he transformed my job situation in three hours' time. That was a deep prayer. <laughs> I didn't feel anything. I was feeling desperate. I cried out to my father, and he, in three hours' time, he shifted me to another department, gave me a place to start training and growing in my career to secure a better future than I was in at the time. Three, three words. God help me. There you go. So prayer is not a religious exercise. It's not like I walk in with my relationship with my wife. I walk in in the morning and say, Oh, my dearest wife, I do love thee today. I pray that you will remain faithful and love me also. And by the way, might I have some eggs? Amen. <laughs> God's a person. Yes. We're his son. We don't talk to our father that way. It's like, hey, Dad, I'm hungry. You got, I mean, I'm not being flippant. I'm not saying God's somebody we can just yank on. He's like the, but we don't need to be embarrassed about the fact that he's our father and we're his sons and daughters. Amen. And he's waiting our God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And by the way, it's not just money and stuff. He'll supply relationships. God can produce a wife for my son out of thin air. Boom. Oh, look, there she is. <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, I'm going to stop. But just, just remember to love God, love one another, and let's just do life. You know, you know going back to uh, the, you know, that great prophet Jeff Goldblum, in Jurassic Park, you know, life, life finds a way. Life finds a way. It'll poke up between the concrete. You know, life breaks out. The Protestant Reformation, life kind of broke out of centuries of Catholic domination. And it's like, oh, wait, the righteous will live by faith. You know, so let's just do this life. Let's love one another. Go and read 1 Corinthians slowly. Ask God to reveal what this, uh, what this means. But love, for example, love believes the best about people, you know, don't, don't level, don't even allow your heart to have false accusations about they're just a blah, 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 stop inventing accusations, the accuser of the brethren's been thrown down, we don't play that game anymore, we look at, we look at one another through love-colored glasses, we believe the best, we start off in a position of this is somebody dearly loved of the Lord, they're my family, I love them, okay, um, so, as much as it lies with you, the word says, be at peace with all men. Okay, so that's your assignment. Love one another. Love is the answer. All right? Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. That was awesome. Don't turn that off. I want to give you a hug first. <laughs> uh, when you were talking about uh, orphans, I, I had a brief thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, Bill, I think me and you had a conversation about orphans. Don't, don't the orphans get the right over all the other kids, like as far as inheritance go? Right. 
Right. Right. And so when you were saying that, that's what I thought about. I was like, how awesome is it that we're adopted into the family? We actually have more rights, you know, even than the the Jews, even, you know, we're, we're, adopted. we're, graf- we're grafted in. We're adopted and born again. And born again, right. We get both sides. Can, both works. I know. And I was, I was thinking about that in the same way if, if the billionaire would have came to Annie and said, okay, I want to adopt you, but first get some better clothes on or, or do something different. She had no power to do that on her own. She didn't have the money to do it. Buy me some. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, can I get some? But here's, here's the thing with that. It's interesting. I had a conversation with a, a friend of mine, a very good friend, and I love him dearly. And he's a pastor in another church um, far away from here. But, uh, but he genuinely asked, and I thought he was joking at first. He genuinely asked me if I thought that a person that smoked cigarettes could still go to heaven if they die. And he, he asked me that's a serious question. I sent back, and I almost jokingly I sent back something. I don't remember what it was, something sarcastic, I'm sure. But then he called me and started talking to me, and a, and a close friend of theirs had passed away. And, and they found in her closet or something a pack of cigarettes. She had struggled with it and tried to quit. Yeah, no, I'm serious. And tried to quit and, and, and couldn't do it. And they were discussing it as a family. Like they, were, and they knew that she loved the Lord and all these things. And, and I was like, am I really having this conversation? I thought, how many people in your congregation go out to eat too much, you know? Are they not going to go to, you know, what? I, how? I mean, no. <laughs> go ahead. Listen. I'm the same way. So I'm just thinking... Where's the mindset that, that we really think that? Like, really? Are we really having this conversation? Um, but seriously, they were really debating that. And, and we got even deeper, and he said that in their denomination, he's not allowed as a pastor to let somebody join the church if they smoke cigarettes. Yeah. But really, he said, no, I can't. He said, I've got a, a, a guy that loves the Lord that comes to my church, and he serves, and he does things, but he can't be a member of the church. Yeah. I was like, What? This, is, this goes back, and this is what I told him. I was like, what about Jesus eating with sinners? When, in that culture, when you sit down and eat with people, you're good with them. Yeah, he didn't shame them. He, he was okay with them. He was saying when he sat down to eat with them that uh, we're friends, we're good. Right. And what's, yeah, what's an, what's an orphan do? You know, an orphan that's been adopted looks at a loving father. Does he go, I'm going to take advantage of this? No. When he looks back at it and fears sometimes if he gets a, a chance if, if he gets a chance and the dad's not looking, then he goes out and does something wrong, right? But not a, a, an orphan that's been adopted by a good father looks to please the father. Tracy loves me. That doesn't prompt me to go do something bad behind her back. It's just illogical on, on the most basic sense. Amen. So in the same way, an orphan that has been adopted loves the father and wants to please the father. Just like you were saying, it's not out of fear of, of condemnation. It's out of love and adoration for a good father. I had one example I was going to share, but I was running out of time. But since we're stay- taking time. Um, I tell you what, if, if a squirrel runs through here, all of you are going to look at it. It's going to be in church. This isn't just us that have ADD. If a squirrel runs through the church, you're going to look. Be honest with me. How many of you have ever seen a YouTube video that somebody shared about some sweet little puppy that was miserable that got all cleaned up and got adopted? That kind of thing, that transformation. He's hiding in the corner, miserable and fearful, not knowing what's happening next. The owner comes up and says, I'll take that one. What does the dog do? <laughs> Goes crazy, runs around, gets familiar with the yard. And the next thing you know, they come back like three months later, and the sweet thing is like curled up on the master's lap. There's contentment. And then there's a Sarah McLaughlin. Is that what it is? The song? <laughs> yeah, some tearjerker song. All right, well, I'll pray for you guys before we leave. And, and thank you so much, Andrew. That was awesome. <laughs>